Right, hi everyone. Welcome to the Old of Mice and Men reading. Um, I've just been looking at some comments. I think probably the best way to do this, because it'll be hard for me to look at comments while I'm reading it, is that I'll go to most comments at the end. But I did notice a couple. Uh, Damon was asking, should we have a pen and paper? If you want, it's up to you. Um, best thing is to have your own copy of the book, of course. That's always useful before the exam, anyway, for revising. So I'd keep notes uh, on the book, if possible. But yeah, it's not a bad idea to have a piece of pen and paper. I'm basically going to read it, right? I know a lot of year nine have not had a chance to complete the book. So I'm going to read the book. I'm planning today, basically, to get through the first section when Lenny and George are by the river. A couple of other things I need to point out, and if you've now been taught by me, then I'm a, can I just apologise? Obviously, just in general, but also because <laughs> I will digress a lot. I will change the subject, not change the subject, I'd never do that, oops. Um, I'll, 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 I'll stop quite regularly as if I'm doing it in class, so I will be discussing a lot of points about it. I might have the odd chance to see a message there, but probably not so much. Um, so I just want to warn you of that. Also, um, there's bad language in Of Mice and Men, if you haven't read it before, you're not familiar, so I apologise in advance. Um, there's also racist language in Of Mice and Men. There will be none today, but there will be in the future, and I'll put a warning up on the screen uh, from tomorrow. So, um, should we crack on? Does I think that's about it, really? Just about? I'm in my front room, by the way, so... Um, my wife's waving, <laughs> which doesn't understand the idea of webcams, which you'd have to pee around the ear. Look out. <laughs> you can just see her hand. Yay! <laughs> the lens I'll go to to avoid cleaning a conservatory. And I'm kind of hoping that my cat will jump in at some point. Bless her. Um, I'm going to try and convince my wife to play uh, Curly's wife later in the book. Who knows? Right. Specs on. I have deteriorated. We'll get cracking. No, I won't. Told you I'll diversify. Um, quick introduction. First two pages are just description. And I think it's partly a legacy, the fact that Steinbeck wrote this as a play. He then converted it into a novel. And you notice a, and a very obvious pattern, and this is quite useful when you have sort of mood and atmosphere questions to realise this, that... <clears throat> Because he's converted it, quite a lot of very sort of visual scenes that you could imagine him doing in order to make it come alive on stage. So this opening section, for example, two pages just of description. There's a lot of reasons why. This area, the brush, which is like just a forest, isn't it, really? And by the river is an important place in the book. And he wants you to imagine it. But it also feels a bit like stage directions. <laughs> he's writing it for... Uh, the people putting on the performance, the stage manager, how are you going to actually set it up? You know, let get the set designer have a picture in their head. Um, you'll see this as well later, and I'll talk about this later. Characters, generally, when characters first come into the book, it's sort of quite striking, and it's almost like they're making an entrance on stage. But anyway, let's get cracking. Let's do those first two pages of description. Two pages that look fairly innocuous at first, but actually... When we get to the end of the book, we'll understand there's, um, there's Easter eggs, there's hidden messages inside this section of the book. Straight away in the first sentence, he's craftily sent you a secret message because we're just south of Soldad. Soldad is um, 
genuine town, real town in California, as is weed that we'll get to in a minute. Um, Soledad, though, also is Spanish for solitude. So he's immediately set this idea that we're in the middle of nowhere in a sort of lawless place surrounded by nothing. Okay, right, let's go for it. A few miles south of Soledad, the Salinas River drops in close to the hillside bank and runs deep and green. The water's warm too, for it's slipped twinkling over the yellow sands in the sunlight before reaching the narrow pool. On one side of the river, the golden foothill slopes curve up to the strong and rocky Gabalan Mountains. But on the valley side, the water is lined with trees, willows fresh and green with every spring, carrying in their lower leaf junctures the debris of the winter's flooding, and sycamores of mottled white, recumbent limbs and branches that arch over the pool. On the sandy bank under the trees, the leaves lie deep and so crisp that a lizard makes a great skittering if he runs among them. Rabbits come out of the brush to sit on the sand in the evening, and the damp flats are covered with the night tracks of coons with the spread pads of dogs from the ranches, and with the split wedge tracks of deer that come to drink in the dark. There's a path through the willows and among the sycamores, a path beaten hard by boys coming down from the ranches to swim in the deep pool, and beaten hard by tramps who come wearily down from the highway in the evening to jungle up near water. In front of the low horizontal limb of a giant sycamore, there's an ash pile made by many fires. The limb is worn smooth by men who have sat on it. So he's describing this place in the middle of nowhere, by a river, a popular place for kids to come and play, uh, splashing about in the river, popular place for people working in the ranches in the area because they can get a bit of a bit of rest. And he describes that high grass with a path through only wide enough for one person, which is now going to be important for the entrance of Lenny and George. So we'll crack on with that. Whenever I do this in the lesson, I always say, what do you think? What first impressions do we get of Lenny and George? So have a think about that. Or like this next sent the first sentence, sentence variety, English language GCSE fans. Evening of a hot day started little wind to moving among the leaves. The shade climbed up the hills towards the top. On the sandbanks, the rabbits sat as quietly as little grey sculptured stones. And then from the direction of the state highway came the sound of footsteps on crisp sycamore leaves. The rabbits hurried noiselessly for cover. A stilted heron laboured up into the air and pounded down river. For a moment the place was lifeless, and then two men emerged from the path and came into the opening by the green pool. They'd walked in single file down the path, and even in the open, one stayed behind the other. Both were dressed in denim trousers and in denim coats of brass buttons. Both wore black, shapeless hats, and both carried tight blanket rolls slung over their shoulders. The first man was small and quick, dark of face, with restless eyes and sharp, strong features. Every part of him was defined, small, strong hands, slender arms, a thin and bony nose. Behind him walked his opposite, a huge man, shapeless of face, with large, pale eyes, with wide, sloping shoulders, and he walked heavily, dragging his feet a little, the way a bear drags his paws. His arms did not swing at his sides, but hung loosely, and only moved because the heavy hands were pendular. The first man stopped short in the clearing, and the follower nearly ran over him. He took off his hat and wiped the sweatband with his forefinger and snapped the moisture off. 
His huge companion dropped his blankets and flung himself down and drank from the surface of the green pool, drank with long gulps, snorting into the water like a horse. The small man stepped nervously beside him. So straight away we've got the contrast of the two. We've got one following the other. Ooh, some people are having some trouble with the screen. Free stream freezing. Hang on a sec. Just checking my mobile because I've got it running as well. Yeah. I'll keep an eye on it, but it looks okay. Hopefully. Maybe it's just a couple of you having issues with your broadband at home, perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, I'll plough on. I am recording this, so it'll all be put up on YouTube and Facebook afterwards. If anyone else is not having a problem with freezing, just let me know in a comment. Just let me, just to reassure me. Anyway, um, Lenny and George, what am I doing? I don't need reading glasses on to talk. Um, Lenny and George are basically, well, well, that message he sends, the entrance at the start, the, Lenny follows George. George is the father figure, the big brother figure, the leader. And then when they come out of the brush, Lenny keeps following George, which is signifying that, isn't it? So there's their dramatic entrance, if you like. Then also you have, um, also you have the comparison of Lenny with an animal. He walks like a bit, oh, I like to walk around the classroom, showing this, I don't think it's gonna work very well on a, oh yeah, but let's have a go. Oh, maybe it will. So his arms like pendula, yeah? So a pendula, oh, I have to climb on a chair. <sighs> My. Whoa. Maybe not. Arms like pendula, so the big, the weird metal things that you get in those big grandfather clocks that go like that. So big hands, heavy hands, a weight at the end of, of his arms. So he's not walking, he's just like, as, as he's not moving his arms as he walks. His arms are just swinging like that, and he drags his feet like a bear, no animal comparison. So he's just like walking like that. I can't see a problem. Like that. <laughs> yeah. So this immediate sense that George is sharp and full of action and decisive and Lenny isn't. So um other comparisons, he's uh drinking hung thirstily, snorting into the water like a horse. Anyway, let's oh and the other thing, George says he's dark of face. Now I said there was Racism brought up, there's one of the issues in the book. Um, but just to emphasize, George is not black. He has been working out in the countryside, so he's tanned. That's why he's, he's dark of face. And also, the double, the double denim. <laughs> the double denim look that they have is not fashion. It's uh, denim's hard-wearing material. It's what workers use. Uh, used to be, before it was a fashionable thing, just to, to do rough work, outdoor work or factory works, it's just those hard-wearing materials. They're not like doing, making a fashion statement as they walk through the brush. Anyway, let's go into Lenny and George, bit of dialogue, have a look at their relationship closer. So, George is drinking the water, and Lenny, so Lenny's drinking the water, and George comes in, and is nervous about it. Lenny, he said sharply. Lenny, for God's sake, don't drink so much. Lenny continued to snort into the pool. 
The small man leaned over and shook him by the shoulder. Lenny, you're going to be sick like you was last night. Lenny dipped his whole head under, hat and all, and then he sat up on the bank and his hat dra- dripped down on his blue coat and ran down his back. That's good, he said. You drink some, George. You take a good big drink. He smiled happily. George unslung his bindle and dropped it gently on the bank. I ain't sure it's good water, he said. Looks kind of scummy. Then he dabbled his big paw in the water and wiggled his fingers so the water arose in little splashes. Rings widened across the pool to the other side and came back again. Then he watched them go. Look, look, George, look what I've done. George knelt beside the pool and drank from his hand with quick scoops. Tastes all right, he admitted. Don't really seem to be running, though. You never all drink water when it ain't running, Lenny, he said hopelessly. You'd drink out of a gutter if you was thirsty. He threw a scoop of water into his face and rubbed it about with his hand under his chin and around the back of his neck. Then he replaced his hat, pushed himself back from the river, drew up his knees and embraced them. Lenny, who'd been watching, imitated George exactly. He pushed himself back, drew up his knees, embraced them, looked over to George to see whether he had it just right. He pulled his hat down a little more over his eyes, the way George's hat was. Oh, Lenny, seeing George like his father figure, wants to copy him. Oh, cute. See the character development here. We already like him, Lenny. He seems cute. He copies his, his mates because he thinks he's good and his daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steinbeck, clever. George stared morosely at the water. The rims of his eyes were red with the sun glare. He said angrily, like I said, the swearing in this, I apologise, but I'm reading it. <clears throat> we could just a well road clear to the ranch if that bastard bus driving you already was talking about. Just a little stretch down the highway, he says. Just a little stretch. Goddamn near four miles. That's what it was. Didn't want to stop at the ranch gate, that's what. Too goddamn lazy to pull up. Wonder he isn't too damn good to stop and sold that at all. Kicks us out and says, just a little stretch down the road. Bet it was more than four miles. Damn hot day. Lenny looked timidly over to him. Dodge. Yeah, what you want? Where we going, George? The little man jerked down the brim of his hat and scowled over at Lenny. See, you forgot that already, did you? I gotta tell you again, do I? Jesus Christ, you're a crazy bastard. I forgot, Lenny said softly. I I, I tried not to forget. Honest to God, I did, George. Okay, okay, I'll tell you again. I got nothing to do. Might just as well spend all my time telling you things, and then you forget them, and I'll tell you again. Tried and tried, said Lenny, but it, it didn't do no good. I remember about the rabbits, George. The hell with the rabbits. That's all you can ever remember is them rabbits. Okay, now you listen, and this time you gotta remember so we don't get in no trouble. Remember sitting in that gutter on Howard Street and watching that blackboard? Lenny's face broke into a delighted smile. Why, sure, George, I, I remember that. But 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 what we do then? I, I remember some girls come by, and you says... You says... The hell with what I says. You remember about us going into Murray and Reddy's and they give us work cards and bus tickets? Oh, oh, oh sure, George. I, I remember that now. His hands went quickly into his side coat pockets. He said gently, George, I ain't got mine. I, I must have lost it. He looked down at the ground in despair. You never had none, you crazy bastard. I got both of them here. Think I'd let you carry your own work card? Then he grinned with relief. I... I, I thought I put it in my side pocket. His hand went into the pocket again. George looked sharply at him. What'd you take out of that pocket? Ain't a thing in my pocket, 
And he said cleverly, I know there ain't. You got in your hand. What you got in your hand hiding it? I ain't got nothing, George. Honest. Come on, give it here. Then he held his closed hand away from George's direction. It's, it's only a mouse, George. A mouse, a live mouse. Uh, just a dead mouse, George. I, I, I didn't kill it. Honest, I found it. I found it dead. Give it here, said George. I'll oh, leave me have it, George. Give it here. Then his closed hand slowly obeyed. George took the mouse and threw it across the pool to the other side among the brush. What do you want of a dead mouse anyways? I, I could pet it with my thumb while we walked along, said Lenny. Well, you ain't petting no mice while you're walking with me. You remember where you're going now? Lenny looked startled and then an embarrassment hit his face against his knees. I, I forgot again. Jesus Christ, George said resignedly. Well, look, we're going to work on a ranch like the one we come from up north. Up north? In weed. Oh, oh sure. I, I remember. In weed. The ranch we're going to is right down there about a quarter mile. We're going to go in and see the boss. Now, look, I'll give him the work tickets, but you ain't going to say a word. You just stand there and don't say nothing. If he finds out what a crazy bastard you are, we won't get no job. But if he sees your work before he hears you talk, we're set. You got that? George, George, shot. I got it. Okay, now, when we go in to see the boss, what you going to do? I, 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 Lenny thought. His face grew tight with thought. I, I ain't going to say nothing. Just going to stand there. Good boy, that's swell. You'd say that over two, three times so you don't forget it. Lenny droned to himself slowly. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. Break off for a second then. So we're establishing these characters quite clearly now, aren't we? Again, George, the leader, poor old Lenny, can't remember a thing. But, all right, he is not of normal intelligence. Pupils often have a difficulty with this. How are they going to subtly um, get this across? Uh, you know, <laughs> well, naturally concerned about how they'd write it in an exam. You know, you don't want to be insulting. Uh, don't worry, because the examiners know full well um, the book. They know the book inside out. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about how you phrase things. In fact, I wouldn't necessarily push it too hard. Something like not of normal intelligence would be absolutely fine. But you don't necessarily have to draw attention to it. They know the character of Lenny anyway. Um, although he's not of normal intelligence, can't remember where they're going, what they're doing. He's crafty. Remember, Steinbeck compares him to an animal. So animals... <laughs> okay, I was saying this in my class a couple of weeks ago. So apologies for repeating myself. Right, my cat, where is she? Is she here? Nah, she's not here. That's a shame. My cat, right? She, she's, she's not as intelligent as me in some ways. <laughs> Only some ways. She, she can't. She couldn't pass an exam in English, right? Seriously, she can't program the TV to record something. She can't do all these human things. But that doesn't make her stupid. She's crafty. She's able to get her own way. She's able to pressure us. She's able to sometimes do little cute stunts to get things the way that she wants them. I used to have a cat who would shove us all out in the morning, get us downstairs because he wanted upstairs to himself to have a good kip on the bed. Animals are not necessarily intelligent in the traditional human way, but they are intelligent in other ways. Lenny's like that. So he does a cute little crafty thing when he's got the mouse in his pocket. And he pulls her out and Len George says, what's that in your pocket? There's nothing in my pocket, says Lenny, because it's in his hand now, isn't it? And he will in a moment actually turn the tables on George. So he's got a sort of excellent basic um, understanding 
and craftiness about him, like an animal, just like, like I said, yeah? Um, was there something else I was going to say then? We had the first mention of weed. Um, Steinbeck dropping a little hint. Something went wrong in weed, yeah? We're going to work in a round, but well, we'll see more hints dropped in a moment. So George has got into trying to remember. Just don't say anything when you see the boss. Yeah? Okay, said George. And you ain't going to do no bad things like you've done in weed, neither. Lenny looked puzzled. L like I'd done in weed? Oh, so you forgot that too, did you? Well, I ain't going to remind you. I fear you do it again. A light of understanding broke on Lenny's face. Did they run us out of weed? He exploded triumphantly. Run us out, hell, said George disgustedly. We run. They was looking for us, but they didn't catch us. Lenny giggled happily. I, I didn't forget that, you bet. I like, the like this. So Lenny's lack of understanding shown really clearly. He, they he did a bad thing, as George put it, and they got run out of town. But George Lenny remembers this happily because he's just proud and he's remembered what George was asking him about. He's so proud of his memory, he doesn't think about the negativity of getting chased out of town and what the heck was this bad thing? Well, Steinbeck's dropped that in, leaving us to wonder now for a couple of pages. George lay back on the sand and crossed his hands under his head and Lenny imitated him, raising his head to see whether he were doing it right again. God, you're a lot of trouble. So George, I could get along so easy and so nice if I didn't have you on my tail. I could live so easy, maybe have a girl. For a moment, Lenny lay quiet, and then he said, hopefully, we're going to work on a ranch, George. All right, you got that. We're going to sleep here, because I got a reason. The day was going fast now. Only the tops of the Cablin Mountains flamed with the light of the sun that had gone from the valley. A water snake slipped along the pool, its head held up like a periscope. Memorize that line. It's going to come back later. The reeds jerked slightly in the current. Far away off towards the highway, a man shouted something and another man shouted back. The sycamore limbs rustled under a little wind that died immediately without realising it. We just read the cleverest paragraph of the book, I think, but we won't realise it for a long time. Dodge, why are we going on to the ranch and get some supper? They got supper at the ranch. George rolled on his side. No reason at all for you. I like it here. Tomorrow we're going to work. I've seen threshing machines on the way down. That means we'll be bucking grain bags, busting the gut. Tonight I'm going to lay right here and look up. I like it. Lenny got up on his knees and looked down at George. Ain't we going to have no supper? Sure we are. If you gather up some dead willow sticks, I got three cans of beans in my bundle. You get a fire ready. I'll give you a match when you get the sticks together. Then we eat the beans and have supper. Lenny said, I like beans with ketchup. Well, we ain't got no ketchup. You go get wood and don't you fool around. It'll be dark before long. Then he lumbered to his feet and disappeared in the brush. George lay where he was and whistled softly to himself. There were sounds of splashings down the river in the direction Lenny had taken. George stopped whistling and listened. Poor bastard, he said softly, and then went on whistling again. In a moment, Lenny came crashing back through the brush. He carried one small willow stick in his hand. George sat up. All right, he said brusquely. Give me that mouse. But Lenny made an elaborate pantomime of innocence. What mouse, George? I ain't got no mouse. George held out his hand. Come on, give it to me. You ain't putting nothing over. Lenny hesitated, backed away, looked wildly at the brush line as though he contemplated running for his freedom. George said coldly, You gonna give me that mouse or do I gotta sack you? 
Give you what, George? You know goddamn well what. I want that mouse. Lenny, Lenny reluctantly reached into his pocket. His voice broke a little. I, I, I don't know why I, I can't keep it. It, it. it ain't nobody's mouse. I, I didn't steal it. I, I found it lying right beside the road. George's hand remained outstretched imperiously. Slowly, like a terrier animal who doesn't want to bring back a, a ball to its master, Lenny approached, drew back, approached again. George snapped his fingers sharply, and at the sound, Lenny laid the mouse in his hand. I, I, I wasn't doing nothing bad with it, George, just stroking it. George stood up and threw the mouse as far as he could into the darkening brush. And then he stepped to the pool and washed his hands. Crazy fool, don't you think I could see your feet was wet where you went across the river to get it? He heard Lenny's whimpering cry and wheeled about, blubbering like a baby. Jesus Christ, a big guy like you? Lenny's wit lip quivered and tears started in his eyes. Ah, oh, Lenny, George put his hand on Lenny's shoulder. I ain't taking it away just for meanness. That mouse ain't fresh, Lenny. Besides, you broke it, petting it. You got another mouse that's fresh? I'll let you keep her a little while. Lenny sat down on the ground and hung his head dejectedly. I don't know where that there is no other mouse. I remember a lady used to give them to me, and everyone she got. But that lady isn't here. George scoffed. Lady, huh? Don't even remember what lady was. There was your own Aunt Clara, and she stopped giving them to you. You always killed them. Lenny looked sadly up at him. They were so little, he said apologetically. I, I pet them, and pretty soon they, they bit my fingers, and I, I pinched their head a little, and then they was dead because they were so little. Wish we get the rabbits pretty soon, George. They, they ain't so little. Hell with the rabbits, and you ain't to be trusted with no live mice. Your Aunt Clara gave you a rubber mouse, and you wouldn't have nothing to do with it. It, it, it wasn't no good to pet, said Lenny. The flame of the sunset lifted from the mountain tops, and dusk came into the valley, and a half-darkness came in among the willows and the sycamores. A big carp rose to the surface of the pool, gulped air, and then sank mysteriously into the dark water again leaving widening rings on the water. Overhead, the leaves whisked again, and little puffs of willow cotton blew down and landed on the pool's surface. Gonna get that wood? George demanded. There's plenty right up against the back of that sycamore. Floodwater wood. Now you get it. Then he went behind the tree and brought out a litter of dried leaves and twigs. He threw them in a heap on the old ash pile and went back for more and more. It was almost night now. A dove's wings whistled over the water. George walked to the fire pile and lighted the dry leaves. The flame cracked up among the twigs and fell to work. George undid his bundle and brought out three cans of beans. He stood them about the fire, close in against the blaze, but not quite touching the flame. There's enough beans for four men, George said. Then he watched him from over the fire. He said patiently, I, I like him with ketchup. But we ain't got any, George exploded. Wherever we ain't got, that's what you want. God almighty, if I was alone and I could live so easy, I could go get a job and work and no trouble, no mess at all. And when the end of the month come, I could take my 50 bucks and go into town and get whatever I want. Why, I could stay in a cat house all night. I could eat any place I want, hotel or any place, and order any damn thing I could think of. And all, I could do all, all that every damn month. Get a gallon of whiskey or sit in a pool room and play cards or shoot pool. Lenny knelt and looked over the fire at the angry George. And Lenny's face was drawn with terror. And what I got, 
George went on furiously. I got you. You can't keep a job and you lose me every job I get. Just keep shoving all over the country all the time. And that ain't the worst. You get in trouble. You do bad things and I gotta get you out. His voice rose nearly to a shout. You crazy son of a bitch. You keep me in hot water all the time. He took on the elaborate manner of a little girl's when they're mimicking one another. Just wanted to feel that girl's dress. Just wanted to pet it like it was a mouse. Well, how the hell did she know you just want to feel her dress? She jerks back and you hold on like it was a mouse. She yells and we got to hide in an irrigation ditch all day with guys looking for us. And we got to sneak out in the dark and get out the country. All the time, something like that. All the time. I wish I could put you in a cage with about a million mice and let you have fun. His anger left him suddenly. He looked across the fire at Lenny's anguished face. And then he looked ashamedly at the flames. Um, so remember, please, crucial point, George loves Lenny, okay? So this anger and the way that he talks about him at this point and at other points in the book, this is not saying he doesn't like him. Oh, but imagine having Lenny with you 24-7, constantly asking you questions all the time. It would be like teaching year sevens. Not Colby, they're awesome. Um, <laughs> no offence, Deborah. <laughs> but... He's just driving him crazy, absolutely driving him crazy. And so occasionally he lets off steam. We lose our temper sometimes with people that we love. It doesn't mean we don't love them anymore. So remember that. Lenny and George have a very, very close relationship, but it's hard work for George, and sometimes he gets tired, yeah? The whole thing about Lenny as well being childlike, he likes the soft things to touch. He has the mouse in his pocket. He gets in trouble then because he wants to touch the girl's dress and weave because it looks pretty and soft. Um, this is uh, fairly normal child behaviour. I had a silky when I was a kid, a little blanket with a silk bit on the edge. In those days, because I'm ancient, uh, fur coats weren't frowned upon. My mum had a lovely thick fur coat. Oh, I used to love that. Um, and I once get into trouble. My mum took me to Marks and Spencers and I saw a woman there in a fur coat and I thought, oh, that looks soft. And I waddled up to her and grabbed her leg with a fur coat. And uh, there's a lot of shrieking. I was 28. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I, you know, soft things are reassuring. He likes to feel of the soft things. Yeah? But George now feels bad. He's, he's, he's had his temper tantrum. Now he feels bad. I'm aware it's 11 o'clock. I'll get to the bit where they go to sleep, which in my box about four pages on, and then we'll, we'll stop for the day. It was quite dark now, but the fire lighted the trunks of the trees and the curving branches overhead. Then he crawled slowly and cautiously around the fire until he was close to George. He sat back on his heels. George turned the bean can so that another side faced the fire. He pretended to be unaware of Lenny so close beside him, uh, Lenny now is going to do the cute thing. He's going to guilt George. So he's not intelligent, but he's crafty and cunning. George, very softly. No answer. George. Juan. I, I was only fooling George. I, I don't want no ketchup. I, I wouldn't eat no ketchup if it was right here beside me. If it was here, you could have some. But I wouldn't eat none, George. I, I'd leave it all for you. You could cover your beans with it and I wouldn't touch none of it. George still stared morosely at the fire. When I think of the swell time I could have without you, I go nuts. Never get no peace. Then he still knelt. He looks off into the darkness across the river. 
Doctor, do you want I should go away and leave you alone? Where the hell could you go? Well, I, I could. I could go off in the hills there. Some place I'd find a cave. Yeah? How'd you eat? You ain't got sense enough to find nothing to eat. I, I, I'd find things, George. I, I don't need no nice food to catch up. I'd lay out in the sun and nobody'd hurt me. And if I found a mouse, I, I could keep it. Nobody could take it away from me. George looked quickly and searchingly at him. I've been mean, ain't I? If, if you don't want me, I, 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 I can go off in the hills and find a cave. I can go away any time. No, look, I was just fooling, Lanny. Of course I want you to stay with me. Trouble with masters, you always kill him. Pause. Tell you what I'll do, Lanny. First chance I get, I'll give you a pup. Maybe you wouldn't kill it. That'd be better than mice. You could pair it harder. Then he avoided the base. He's crafty. He'd sensed his advantage. If you don't want me, you only got just got to say so. I'll go off in those hills right there, right, right up in those hills and live by myself. And I, I, I won't get no mice stole from me. George said, I want you to stay with me, Lanny. Jesus Christ, somebody shoot you for a coyote if you was by yourself. No, you, you stay with me. Your Aunt Clara wouldn't like you running off by herself, even if she is dead. She's another little, little uh, hint for later on. Who's Aunt Clara? What's the deal with these two guys? Lanny spoke craftily. Tell me, like you've done before. Tell you what, about the rabbits. George snapped. You ain't going to put nothing over on me. Come on, George. T tell me, please, George, like you've done before. Get a kick out of that, don't you? All right, I'll tell you. Then we'll eat our supper. Now here's one of the big themes, dreams. The characters pretty much all have dreams of breaking out of this awful depression era American slump. And George makes out he doesn't want to keep saying it to Lenny, but he's enjoying it as well. I always refer, I said this to my classes last week, to Teletubbies here. When Teletubbies came out, there was a big controversy. What, what's this? It's different from previous children's programs. Parents are going nuts. Apparently, it was based on child psychology that kids like to hear things again and again. It gives them reassurance. It makes them happy. And so Teletubbies, as I understand this, used to tell the story and then tell it over and over again. And this is sort of the same thing, isn't it? Lenny and George taking comfort from hearing a nice thing over and over again. George's voice became deeper. He repeated his words rhythmically, as though he'd said them many times before. Guys like us to work on ranches are the loneliest guys in the world. You got no family. They don't belong no place. They come to a ranch and work up a stake, and then they go into town and blow their stake. First thing you know, they're pounding their tail on some other ranch. They ain't got nothing to look ahead to. George was delighted. That, that, that's it, that's it. That, that's how it is with us. George went on. With us, we ain't like that. We got a future. We got somebody to talk to that gives a damn about us. We don't have to sit in no bar room blowing in our jack just because we ain't got no place else to go. If them other guys gets in jail, they can rot for all anybody gives a damn. But not us. Then he broke in. But but not us because because I, I got you to look after me and you got me to look after you. I, and that's why. He laughed delightedly. Go, go on, George. You got my heart. You can do it yourself. No, no, you. I, I forget some of the things. Tell about how it's going to be. Okay. Someday we're going to get the jack together and we're going to have a little house and a couple of acres and a cow and some pigs. And, and, and live off the fat of the land, Lenny shouted. And, and have rabbits. Go on, George. Tell about what we're going to have in the garden and about the rabbits in the cages and about the rain in the winter and the stove and how thick the cream is on the milk. You can hardly cut it. Tell about that, George. Why do you do it yourself? You know all of it. No, no, you, you tell it. Ain't the same if I tell it. Go on, George. How I get to tend the rabbits. Well, said George, we'll have a big vegetable patch and a rabbit hutch and chickens. 
when it rains in the winter, we'll say, just say, the hell we're going to work. And we'll build up a fire in the stove and sit around it and listen to the rain coming down on the roof. Nuts. He took out his pocket knife. I ain't got time for no more. He drove his knife through the top of one of the bean cans, sawed out the top and passed the can to Lenny. Then he opened the second can. From his side pocket, he brought out two spoons and passed one of them to Lenny. They sat by the fire and filled their mouths with beans and chewed mightily. A few beans slipped out of the side of Lenny's mouth. George gestured with his spoon. What are you going to say tomorrow when the boss asks about you questions? Lenny stopped chewing and swallowed. His face was concentrated. I, I, I ain't going to say a word. Good boy, that's fine, Lenny. Maybe you're getting better. When we got a couple of acres, I can let you tend the rabbits all right, especially if you remember as good as that. And he choked with pride. I, I can remember, he said. George motioned with the spoon again. Look, Lenny, I want you to look around here. You can remember this place, can't you? The ranch is about a quarter mile up that way. Just follow the river. Sure, said Lenny. I, I can remember this. Didn't I remember about not going to say a word? Of course you did. Well, well, look, Lenny, if you just happen to get in trouble like you always done before, I want you to come right here and hide in the brush. Hide in the brush, said Lenny slowly. Hide in the brush till I come for you. Can you remember that? Sure I can, George. H hide in the brush till you come. But you ain't going to get in no trouble, because if you do, I'll only attend the rabbits. He threw his empty bean can off into the brush. I, I won't get in no trouble, George. I ain't going to say a word. Okay, bring your bundle over here by the fire. It's going to be nice sleeping here. Looking up in the leaves. Don't build up no more fire. We'll let her die down. They made their beds in the sand, and as the blaze dropped from the fire, the sphere of light grew smaller. The curling branches disappeared, and only a faint glimmer showed where the tree trunks were. From the darkness, Lenny called, Dodge, you sleep. No, why'd you want? Let, let's have different colour rabbits, George. Sure we will. George says sleepily. Red and blue and green rabbits, Lenny. Millions of them. Uh, uh, fairy ones too, George. Uh, like I seen in the fair in Sacramento. Sure, furry ones. Because I can just as well go away, George, and live in a cave. You can just as well go to hell, said George. Shut up now. The red light dimmed on the coals. Up the hill from the river, a coyote yammered. And the dog answered from the other side of the stream. The sycamore leaves whispered in a little bite breeze. And that's as far as I'm going to read today. Let's have a look at some of your questions, comments, etc. But before I do that, just to reiterate, this once I stop this stream, it will go onto our Facebook page anyway. So you'll be able to watch it if you need to, if you're studying it. Um, I'll put it on our YouTube channel as well. And I'll also strip the audio out and put it out as a podcast. We have a SoundCloud account, which we haven't fully developed yet. So let's use this as a sort of kickstart.